Shalom to all. Today's office Pesachim Daf Nun Hey. We are starting the top line at the two dots. Today's office sponsor Le'ilu Nishmas, Mrs. Laura Weissman, Mars Leah Sara Basar Mardechai Aleh Hashalim. Her Neshama should have an Aliyah, and she should be a Melutz Yisrael for her family and all of Klal Yisrael. And the Mishnah had said, The Chacham had taught in the Mishnah that even in a locale where the Minig is to do Malacha on Teshavav, a Talmud Chacham should not do Malacha. Rashim Gamliel had said, The one is allowed to choose not to do Malacha, and it doesn't look like he's being haughty and pretentious that he's a Talmud Chacham. And the Gemara asks, Remember that Rashim Gamliel suffered, Does that mean that Rashim Gamliel holds that we're not afraid that a person by doing this looks like he's being haughty, and the Chacham say that we are afraid of that? We've heard the exact opposite from them, didn't we have a Mishnah. Chasan, im yer to likras kriyashma alayla rishain. If he wants to say kriyashma the first night, meaning the night of his wedding, kairi he's allowed to do so. Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel Amar he says, like all rights to tell Hashem yitol. Not anyone that wants to take Hashem's name, meaning that wants to say shema, is allowed to do so. Now what's our machlokes? This person, this chasan, is tarud. He's completely occupied with the mitzvah that he must perform wedding night, and he very possibly will not have proper concentration when saying shema. The chum hold that if he has a difficult time not saying shema, he may do so. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel holds that not every Joe out there is so holy that he'll be able to have proper concentration when he's so occupied with what needs to be done later that night. So it seems to be that they're holding the opposite. Rosh Hashim Gamaliel holds that this person looks like his haughty if he says Kriyashma as if he's such a holy person, whereas the Chachamim don't say that. So the Gemara says, Switch Shashita around. You're right. He says, Don't switch it around. There's no Sirabonan on themselves. Hacha, over here in our Mishnah. Since everyone in this town is doing Malacha, and he's not doing Malacha, so then it seems like he's trying to show that he's chashev, that he's a Talmud Chacham. Aval Hassan, but in the case of Kriyashma, Kim to Kuli Al-Makari, everyone sitting down, davening Mayav right now and saying Kriyashma. Viyunami Kari, and he's also saying Kriyashma with them. Le Mechzikiura, he's not showing actively that he's being haughty. There's no steer of Shimon Gamaliel on himself either. Hassan over there, who to be in Kavana, he needs active Kavana. Vanan Sahadi, and we are witness, we know, Deloy Matzikavni Date, that he is not able to have proper Kavana the night of his wedding. Mechzikiura, so therefore, it looks like he's trying to show that he's chashev, he looks like he's being haughty by saying kriyashma. Avahacha, but over here in the case of doing work on Tishabav, it doesn't look like he's being haughty. Amri, they're going to say, meaning the people in the town are going to say, Malachi he simply doesn't have any work to do. Go out to the marketplace and see how many bums are sitting around, they're not doing any work. So he's like that, and they're not going to think that he's trying to be chashev by not doing any work. And now this next Mishnah seems to be a continuation of the first Mishnah in our parak. Vachamarim they say be Yehuda in the region of Yehuda and Eretz Yisrael hayu oisim melacha barvei pesachim and chatzayis they would do melacha erev pesach up until chatzayis. Obagal loy hayu oisim kol iker but in the Gala region of Eretz Yisrael they would not do any melacha at all on erev pesach. Halaylo what about the night of b'dikas chametz beshamay oisim they say it's also do melacha beshol matirin adon neitzachama beshol says mutter up until neitzachama. And now the Gemara asks meikar tanim inhaga in the beginning we start talking about minug whether it's the minug to do melacha on. Of Pesach, whether it's not the minig, or besayf, and at the end, meaning in this Mishnah, Tani Surah, we start talking about if it's Asr or not Asr. So it seems to be a Sira. Are we talking about minig or are we talking about Isr? So I'm Rabbi Yechon, like Kasha, is no Sira. Harab Meir, Harab Yehuda. One Mishnah, meaning one part of the Mishnah is Rameir, and one part of the Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda. The Tanya we have a Braisa. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, he says, Behuda, Hayu Isa Malacha Barri Pesachim Archatzais. In Yehuda, they used to do Malacha, Erev Pesach Archatzais. Ubegalo, Ain Isa Kal Iker, and Gal, they wouldn't do it at all. And Amr Lerav Meir, Rav Meir said to Rabbi Yehuda, Ma Rai Yehuda Vagal Lakan. Why you 
bring a proof from Yehuda and Galah to over here. We're discussing Minog, so what do we care what they do in Yehuda and Galah? Everything has to do with Minog and Makam. Ella says Rameir, Makam Shinagul Asis Malacha Aisin. In a place where they have the Minog to do Malacha, then they're allowed to do Malacha. Makam Shinagul Shaloy Asis in Aisin. A place where they have a Minog not to do Malacha, so they don't do Malacha. And what do we learn from this discussion between Rameir and Rabbi Yehuda? Midaka Amr of Meir Minhaga from the fact that Rameir responded to Rabbi Yehuda by saying that we're talking about Minog. Mechlav, it implies Rabbi Yehuda Yisur Kamar. Rabbi Yehuda is talking about whether or not it's Asr or Mutter and has nothing to do with Minog. So that means that this mission that we just learned is Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, and the first mission of the parak is Rabbi Meir's opinion. And there's no steer between Mishnayos. Now the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yehuda Harbasar Mutter Basis Malacha. Rabbi Yehuda really holds that it's Mutter to do Malacha on the 14th because Rabbi Yehuda had said that in Yehuda they used to do Malacha on the 14th. But Tanya, we have a Brisa. Rabbi Yehuda Amir he says the following: Hamenachish v'shleish Asar. Someone that's weeding his field on the 13th, v'nakra biyadai, and he accidentally uprooted some grain, and this grain still has its roots and its dirt with it. He should replant it quickly in moist earth. He should not replant it in dry earth. Why is that? Because when he plants it in moist earth, it's going to take root very quickly, or if it's in dry earth, it's not going to take root quickly. Now, what's the purpose of this? We know the carbon eimer, which is brought on the second day of Pesach, allowed all new grain to be eaten, and we want to ensure that this grain that he accidentally pulled out of the ground takes root once again before the carbon eimer is brought. And we continue with this brisa. This is only if he was doing this on the 13th, but not on the 14th. Now, Mechti, let's see. We know that Rabbi Huda has said in a different place, any grafting, and over here really means anything that's being planted that doesn't take hold or take root within three days, it's not going to take root anymore, which means that we need three days before the carbon eimer for this plant to take root again in order for it to be matured by the carbon eimer. And if it's really true that you're allowed to do work on the 14th of Nisan, like Rabbi Yehuda had said they did in Yehuda, so why would the Bryce have to say that he was weeding his field on the 13th? He technically has a 14th, 15th, and 16th. He could have been doing this work on the 14th, accidentally pulled out some grain on the 14th, replanted it right away, and he would still have three days before the carbon eimer is brought. The 14th, the 15th, and then a little bit of the 16th, which is when the carbon eimer is brought. So it must be that you're not allowed to do work on the 14th, or else why would the Bryce say that you have to be doing this work on the 13th and not the 14th? So Amarava, he says, Begalashanu. This Bryce is talking about Galil, and on Galil, they didn't do work on the 14th, they only did on the 13th. The Gemara asks, Vayikalayla, what about the night? Time, the night in between the 13th and the 14th. So Rav Sheshes, he answers, Kibeshamai. Really, we're passing like Beishamai, that you're not allowed to do work even the night of the 14th. Rav Yomar, he gives a totally different answer. Really, we're going like Beishel over here. However, people don't weed at night, and that's why it must be that we're talking about that he was weeding on the 13th and not on the 14th or the night of the 14th. Zavina Amar, he gives a different answer. We're really talking about that he was in Yehuda and he was allowed to work on the 14th. And since we're talking about we want this thing to take root, we only apply the concept of that part of the day is really like the entire day. We'll only do that once in this set of three days and not twice. And therefore, if you're going to say that he was weeding on the 14th and he'd be allowed to weed on the 14th, however, in order to count three days before the carbon eimer, we would have to say two mixasayim kekulay we would have to say Mixasem Kekulai of the 14th day and Mixasem Kekulai of the 16th day and we're not going to apply that twice we're only going to say it once therefore it has to be that he was weeding on the 13th and we can apply Mixasem Kekulai we would have 14th, 15th and then Mixasem Kekulai of the 16th
And the Mishnah continues, Rameir Aimer, Kamalachashabakadim Larbasar, any work that was started before the fourteenth of Nisan, Gaimar Barbasar, he's allowed to complete it on the fourteenth. He's not allowed to start something on the 14th, even though he's able to complete it on the 14th. There are three craftsmen. They're allowed to do malacha, erv pesach, up until chatzos, ve'eluhain, and these are them. Hachayatin, tailors, vasaparin, and barbers, hakaivsim, and launderers. And even shoemakers. And the Gemara says, who they asked in Rav Meir's opinion. Was he talking about something that was necessary for Yantef? If this thing is not necessary for Yantef, afilu mikmar namilai, you're not allowed to even complete it, even though you started it prior to the 14th. Aydelmor, perhaps, he was talking about something that was not necessary for Yantef. But if something's necessary for Yantef, you're even allowed to start it on the 14th. Aydelmor, perhaps, whether it's necessary or not necessary, mikmar in ischulilai. You're allowed to complete something that was started prior to the 14th, but you're not allowed to start some new malacha on the 14th. Tashma, we try to bring a raya. We have a brass that says, Avalo yaschel b'tchila barbasar. You are not allowed to start melacha, lechatchila on the 14th. Afilu tziltokatan, afilu svachakatana, even if it's a small belt or a small hair covering. Now, my afilu, why does the brass say, even this, lava afilu hani dolotzar chamayid, even though these things are necessary for yantif, migmar in eschuliloi, you're only allowed to complete it, but you're not allowed to start it. Mechlal, that implies the shaloi letzarech, that if it's not necessary for yantif, migmar nami legamrinan, you're not allowed to even complete it, even though you started it prior to the 14th. The Gemara says, Lai. That's not a raya. It's very possible that from this brisa we could still say that even though it's not necessary for Yontif, you're allowed to complete it on the 14th if you had started it prior to the 14th. So, my afilu. So, why does this brisa say afilu, even these things? We answer, Afilu hani nami Even these things, they're very small. It's a small belt. It's a small hair covering. I might have thought, Starting it is finishing it. You could start it and finish it in a very short amount of time. I might think that I'd be allowed to start it on the 14th also. The Chiddush is, the Brisa is telling me that you're not allowed to start it on the 14th. But we don't necessarily have a Raya for what Rameir holds from this Brisa. Tashma, we have another attempted proof. Rameir Aimer, he says as follows, Any Malacha that's necessary for Yantif, is allowed to be completed on the 14th. When is that? That's only if it was started before the 14th. But if it wasn't started before the 14th, you are not allowed to start on the 14th. Even if it's a small belt or small hair covering. And so what do we learn from here? Only if it's necessary for Yontif, but not if it's not necessary for Yontif. So we have a Raya for Rav Meir holds. The Gemara says, no Raya. It's very possible from this brass that we could say that even if it's not necessary for Yontif, if you could still complete it. The Chiddush of this says that even if it's necessary for Yantif, you're only allowed to complete it and you're not allowed to start it. But we don't necessarily know what Rav Meir and the Mishnah holds. So the Gemara has its last proof. Tashma, Rav Meir Aymer, he says, anything that's necessary for Yantif, you're allowed to complete it on the 14th. If it's not necessary for Yantif, it is Asr. And you're allowed to do Malacha, Erev Pesach, up until Chatzais, Bimakim Shinagu, and a place where they have a minog. And what do we learn from here? Makam shinagu in, loinagu loi. Only in a place where they have the minute to do malacha are you allowed to do it. However, if they do not have the minute to do malacha, you are not allowed to do malacha. Ushma, we know, we see from here, Lutzar chamayid in. Only if it's necessary for Yantif, you're allowed to do so. Shalotar Chamayid Lai. If it's not necessary for Yantif, you are not allowed to do so. Shmamina, we see from here that it's the first of our options, that it's mutter only to do something that's necessary for Yantif, and only if it was started prior to the 14th. 
And continuing explaining the Mishnah Chom, Mishal Shumani Chom had said that there are three craftsmen that are allowed to do their crafts on Erev Yontef. The Gemara explains, Tana, we have a Braisa, Hachayat, and tailors are allowed to do work on Erev Yontef. She can't head Yotef because even a layman, someone who's just in their house, they're allowed to sew like the usual way that they would sew on Chalmayit itself. So since this would be mutter on Chalmayit for a regular person, it's mutter Erev Yontef for a craftsman. Hasaparim barbers, Vahakaifsim and launderers, why are they allowed to do their work Erev Yontef? Because some of them came from overseas. Some of them was let out of jail. They could get a haircut and they could launder their clothing. So since this is permitted to be done on Chalamayid, so then these craftsmen are allowed to do so even Erev Yontef. Now Rabbi Yisrael Rabbi he says, even shoemakers are allowed to do work on Erev Yontef. Why is that? Because the people that were being oily regal that came to Yerushalayim for Yontef, they're allowed to fix their shoes on Chalamayid. They don't want to be walking around with holes in their shoes, so they're allowed to get fixed on Chalamayid. Therefore, shoemakers are allowed to do work even on Erev Yontef. Now, Michael Mifelgi, what's the machlek between the Chamim and Rabbi Yisrael Rabbi Yehuda? Meir Sever one holds the maiden chilz melacha misayf melacha. We learn beginning of melacha from the end of melacha, meaning you're allowed to fix shoes, that's saif melacha, so we learn that you're even allowed to start on a new pair of shoes on Erev Yontef. But when Meir Sever the Chamim hold in the maiden chilz melacha misayf melacha, we don't learn beginning of melacha to end of melacha, just because you're allowed to fix shoes on Chalamayid, that doesn't mean that you're allowed to make a brand new pair of shoes on Erev Yontef. And the Mishnah continues, Mashivin Shavach Matana Gailim Biyodalid. We're allowed to take eggs and place them underneath the hen on the 14th, and a hen that ran away from the eggs that it was sitting on, we're allowed to take it and put it back on the eggs. If this hen died, we're allowed to take another hen and put it in its place on top of these eggs. We're allowed to sweep away and rake away the dung from underneath the feet of the animals on the 14th, we can push it to the sides. We're allowed to take vessels, bring them to and from the craftsman's house, even though they're not necessary for Yontif. So we have three different halachas in this Mishnah, and we're going to explain them one by one. And now the Gemara asks on the first halacha, Now that we just said in the first part of the Mishnah that we're allowed to put an egg underneath the chicken, do we have to tell you that you're allowed to take a hen and put it back on once it ran away? If you're allowed to put an egg underneath the hen, of course you're allowed to take the hen and put it back on the egg that it was already sitting on. Amrabai, he answers, Seifa, the second part of the statement, Asan l'chal shamayid, is talking about chalamayid, meaning on chalamayid, if this hen ran away, you're allowed to put it back on. And why is that? That's because it's a davar ha'aved, something that's going to be lost, something that's going to cause a loss of money on chalamayid, you're allowed to do that even on chalamayid. Amrav Huni says, that's only fits within three days of its rebellion. It rebelled, it got off its eggs, and it's not sitting where it should be, so within three days, you're allowed to take it and put it back on. Why is that? That's because its heat hasn't left it. Within three days, it still has the ability, it has the heat in it to warm up these eggs and incubate them and turn them into chicks. But it's also after it's already been sitting on these eggs for three days. Why? Because if it gets up and it doesn't sit on those eggs, they're going to be completely lost, you're going to have to throw them away. However, if it's already three days after it's ran away and you found it on Cholomayid, it already doesn't have its heat anymore. Or it's still within three days of its sitting on the egg, the eggs aren't going to be completely ruined. You could still eat them, even though you would have to sell them for a lower price than eggs usually are sold for. Nonetheless, they're not completely ruined. So so then, you're not allowed to take this hen and put it back on the eggs on Chalmayid. That's because these situations, you're either not going to lose a lot of money, or you're going to lose the money anyway, so there's no purpose of putting this hen back on the eggs. Now, Rabbi Amir, he argues and says, even if it's within three days of this hen sitting on the egg, you're still allowed to put it back on on Chalmayid. The Gemara has my 
What's the machlekes? Say mar savar of huna holds lehefsin ruba chashashu lehefsin muat loy chashashu. We only care about a big loss of money. If this egg is going to have to be thrown away, that's considered a very big loss of money. So then we say you're allowed to put the hen back on. However, if the egg's not going to have to be thrown away, so we're not going to allow you to put the hen back on. And an egg within three days of the hen sitting on it, even though it's not very tasty and only a certain type of personality is going to buy that egg, nonetheless, you could still sell it. You're going to lose a little bit of money, but not so much money. And that's where Funa says you're not allowed to put the hen back on. But Umar Savar, Rabbi Ami holds, or even Chashish, if he's going to lose a small amount of money, he's going to have to drop the price of this egg. That's considered a hefsid that even on Chalmaid, you're allowed to do work for. And the Gemara continues to explain the second part of the Mishnah. Garfim Mitachas were allowed to rake the dung from underneath the animals. Tan Rabbanu, we have a Brayso. Hazel Shabachatzer, the dung in the Chatzer. Masalkin Asad Stadin, it can be pushed to the sides. Shabarefis, Shabachatzer, if it's in the stable or in the Chatzer, might see Nasel Ashba. It's allowed to be taken out to the garbage dump. The Gemara says, hold on one second. Hagufakasha, this itself is a stira. Amit, you just said Zel Shabachatzer, Masalkin Asad Stadin, that the dung in the Chatzer is allowed to be pushed to the side. Vahadar Tani, then you said Shabarefis, Shabachatzer, Masina Sel Ashba, that if it's in the Refes, in the stable or in the so you're allowed to take it out to the garbage, and that it doesn't have to be pushed to the side. You could actually pick it up and take it out. Amar he answers like Kasher is no stira. Kam biyodad, kam b'chal shemayid. One's talking about yodalid erev pesach. One's talking about chalamayid. The brass that says you're allowed to take it out to the garbage, that's talking about on yodalid, and the one that says you have to scrape it to the side, that's talking about chalamayid. Rav Amar he says no. Hav hav b'chal shemayid. They're both talking about chalamayid. V'hachi gamar. And this is what the brass is saying. Im nasa chutzer ki refes. If this chutzer became so dirty, it's just like a stable where there's dung all over the place. Then to take it out to the garbage. However, if it's not so bad, then you just have to scrape it to the side. And the Gemara explains the last part of the Mishnah. My lichen kelim mevin mebeisu uman. Amar of Papa of Papa said, "Badiklon Rava, Rava tested us, and he asked us the following." Tanan, our Mishnah had said, "My lichen mevin kelim mebeisu uman." We're allowed to bring kelim to and from the house of the craftsman. Afalpisha enul tzarchamayit, even though they're not necessary for yantif. For many, we'll ask astira and mevin kelim mebeisu uman. You are not allowed to bring kelim from the house of the uman. Ve'im chashulah hanshem yignavu. However, if he's afraid that they're going to be stolen from the house of the craftsman, mefanal chutzar cheres, they're allowed to be moved to a different chutzar that's near the chutzar the craftsman. However. He's not allowed to take them home. So this seems like a stira. So Rav Papa said, and we answered Rava, like Hash, there's no stira. Kan Barba Asar. Over here, it's talking about on the 14th. Our mission is talking about on the 14th. You're allowed to bring them to and from. There's no problem. Kan B'chal Shemayid. One's talking about on Chalamayid. Vibay Sema. Or alternatively, Hava Hava Chal Shemayid. Both our Mishnah and that Bryce is talking about on Chalamayid. Veloy Kash, there's no stira. Kan B'maminoi. One is where you trust him. So if you trust him, you're not allowed to bring it back to your house. Kan B'sha'inu Amino. One is where you don't trust him. So therefore, you're allowed to bring them to and from. Vatanya, we have a Bryce. Mevin Kalim Besu Uma. We're allowed to bring Kalim from the house of the Uman, from the house of the craftsman, Kugain. For example, Hakadmi Beis Hakadar, a jug from the potter's house, Vakaisim Beis Hazagog, or a glass cup from the glassmaker, of a light center Beis Hatzabo, but not wool from the dyer's house, Veloy Kalim Beis Uman, and not these Kalim, these vessels from the craftsman's house. However, if this person doesn't have anything to eat, meaning the craftsman doesn't have any food to eat, you have to pay him his wages, and you have to leave the Kalim by him, and if you don't trust, him, then you can leave them in the house that's near his house. And if you're afraid they're going to be stolen, you can actually bring them secretly into your own house. So the Gemara asks, You've just given a great answer for the stira of Mevin, that you're allowed to bring them from his house to your house. And we've explained the difference. But we still have a problem in regards to bringing them to the craftsman's house. Because we had said, You're not allowed to bring them from his house. And for sure, you're not allowed to bring them to his house. So the Gemara answers, you're right. It's like we had said originally, there's a difference between the 14th and on Chalamayid. On the 14th, even if you don't need them for Yantif, you're allowed to bring them to his house and from his house. However, if it's Chalamayid, so then you're not allowed to bring them from his house and you're for sure not allowed to bring them to his house. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up tomorrow.
tomorrow with a fresh Mishnah. Everyone should have a wonderful day.